And so do you remember the first time that you met Pete Gillen? Uh, not the first time. I think he was at the Gaucho gym, but, you know, when he came to the Oh yeah, it was definitely interesting. Came to the project. <laughs> came to the project. Came to the pissy elevator. And people, people watched him walk in with his ring, you know, his Xavier ring on, and they made sure who the hell he was. He wasn't going to be a, a private eye or investigator or anything yeah, like that. So he was checked at the door. You know what I'm saying? But you know, it it, it went well. <laughs> All right, welcome back into the Xavier Basketball 100 Years Podcast interview series brought to you by Heartland Bank. In today's interview, we have one of the most dynamic point guards in Xavier history and 2003 inductee to the Xavier Hall of Fame, Jamal Walker. All right, well now I would like to welcome in Jamal Walker to the Xavier Basketball 100 Years Podcast brought to you by Heartland Bank. Class of 1991, Jamal was a four-year starter for the Muskies, known for his versatility, quickness, up-tempo style, and, of course, hitting a big shot or making a big pass in, in just about every single game. Uh, at least that's what that's what that's all I remember or any fans remember. So, Jamal, welcome into the podcast. Hey, how are you? Everything is fine and happy to be here. How are you? Good. I'm staring out my window right now. It's freezing cold now. I feel like winter's already here. Uh, it's raining, yes. gray skies. So, I, I mean, talking to you is putting me in, in a better mood that I can talk hoops on, on a, on a yeah, Thursday afternoon here. I appreciate that. I wish it was a little bit more hotter too, but hey, at least we woke up this morning. That's more important than anything. So Yeah, there you go. So, all right, when I think of you and when I talk to uh, Xavier fans about Jamal Walker, they talk about how you always did your thing in big moments. You know, was that something that you always had, you know, growing up playing open gym, junior high, high school ball? Like, was that just something that you naturally always had? Well, it comes with the territory, me being from New York and I'm growing up in the city and, you know, playing ball at an early age and being taught the fundamentals at an early age. And, and you know, the, the style of play was, you know, obviously the street ball in New York City. That was our New York City basketball is a culture. So, you know, every corner, you know, that you hear has a basketball court. So, you know, you get baptized early by the older guys on, you know, what you got to do in order to get on the court and stay on the court. I mean, Obviously, with, with the basketball in the city, you know, you're playing, you know, going outside playing ball. We didn't have the, you know, the, the, the video games and the, the Twitters and, the, you know, all that stuff. So you, you want to be on the court. So when you're on the court, you want to stay on the court. In order to stay on the court, you got to play well. So or you'd be waiting for a long time in this game if you're really not that good. So, you know, you, can, you learn early, you know, how to, you know, do a lot of things and, Obviously playing, you know, I played for the New York City Gauchos, which is a major um, pro program in New York City. And, you know, had that prestige of, you know, you had to play well in order to um, be on the court. So I played with a lot of teammates. I played with a lot of players, a lot of players, players I played with, you know, made to the NBA and a lot of players played college ball and, you know, was major basketball players. So it was good to come from that type of uh, uh, culture. Was there anybody in particular growing up for you that really sparked the interest for the game of basketball? Meaning who I copied or who I... Who or I, or uh, just uh, a coach or um, someone that kind of, you know, got you into the game or was it more family-driven? No, I mean, I was, I was raised by, like I said, the city played a lot, but Mr. Page was, you know, God rest his soul, he died at 105 years old. Um, he, he taught me the game of basketball fundamentals and then passed me on to one of his other mentors, which was Dave McCollin, 
the, the gaucho uh, organizer and coach there, and he, he taught me more and, and raised me to you know you know play hard defense and uh, you know and to just play hard all the time, you know, and play well all the time. You know, you didn't want to disappoint. And like I say, within our, our basketball family at the Gauchos and in the streets, you know, you just had to play all the time and you had to, you know, had to bring it. And it was something that, you know, pushed me to, you know, uh, want to come in and do well. Um, honestly, with, with our team, all our players on our team were all college basketball players that they all scholarship basketball players and that's you know that's hard and I don't remember ever playing and worrying about playing time or worrying about you know coming out the game it was just something that you know we all said well we got to play well in order to win we were all winners and we knew it (laughs) well you seem like you were a guy that developed your game more by playing five on five open gym indoor outdoor didn't matter so what do you think of this online movement, social media of, of all these skill workouts and trainers putting out videos. Um, you know, what was your mindset in improving as a player? Were you much more focused on, on playing and bettering your game on the court? No, I mean honestly, it was just more. It was I was taught the fundamentals, and obviously we had to work on it, so it was all repetition. But the thing about our situation in New York City was that you know we played all the time. It was like I said, it was no video game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't no nothing else to do. I wanted to stay off the streets. You know, my my my, my people's in the neighborhood wasn't gonna let me be a street guy. So I had that type of support. It was just a different era. You know, now you know I, I honestly support what's going on now, just because the way the era is going now and the way things are now different. You know, I grew up in the different you know '60s and '70s in New York City, which was very very tough, very very rough gangs, you know, violence and everything like that. So. You know, to have the support system of the culture that we had for playing basketball was just big. It was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you know, raising my son and him doing, you know, workouts and individuals and uh, video, like you said, video stuff. It's, it's, it's what it is, and I support it. I have no problem with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Ooh. I'd imagine that you didn't grow up watching Xavier. So, you know, when did Xavier come <laughs> on your radar? I mean, maybe you did. I don't know. But I, I no, up and playing nah. in New York, I doubt that you were yeah. following Xavier basketball day in and day out. So when did Xavier nah. kind of become uh, one of the schools that you were looking at? Honestly, like I said, it didn't matter to me. I think what happened with Xavier is that I went and played with the Gauchos Honest in um, Las Vegas in a tournament. Uh, we was we was kicking butt in the tournament, and I guess Pete Gillen found his way out there, and I guess he went to go see somebody else because I know he wasn't looking for me. So, and then finally got a chance and saw that I could play. And, you know, contacted my high school coach at Cardinal Hayes High School in the Bronx, and you know it went from there as far as being recruited um, in that situation. I wasn't highly recruited. You know, I was only five foot seven, five foot eight. But I knew I was going to college. You know, I just wanted to make sure I would go to school for free. Like I said, I, mm-hmm. I, I you know, I, honestly, it was just a great opportunity. You know, I took a visit and uh, brought me in, and I, I just had the confidence that I knew I was going to play. I mean, honestly, when I saw, after they started recruiting me, I saw the 87 that won with Byron Stan, mm-hmm. you know, beating, beating um, Duke. Not beating Duke. They played Duke and ended up beating Missouri. And Derek Chivas was on that Missouri team as a gaucho, you know, in New York City. So, you know, that was something that, you know, I looked at and it was just an opportunity that came about and I just knew I was going to come here and play. So do you remember the first time that you met Pete Gillen? Uh, not the first time. I think he was at the Gaucho gym, but, you know, when he came to 
because oh yeah, it was definitely interesting. Came to the projects, <laughs> came to the projects, came to the pissy elevator. And people people watched him walk in with his ring, you know, his JD <laughs> ring on, and they made sure who the hell he was. He wasn't going to be a, a private eye or investigator or anything yeah, like that. Go. So. He was checked at the door, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, it, it, it went well. <laughs> very, <laughs> it went very well. recognizable guy, Pete Gill. I mean, he walked yeah, in with the yeah. ring, the red hair, yeah. you know, the accent. Yeah. I mean, and the two of you guys have enough personality to fill up a whole stadium. So right, what was right. it like playing for Pete? And Because I think you guys, it sounds like you had a fantastic relationship. Uh, it was it was a coach's players relationship. It was nothing special about it other than that, you know, we both wanted to win and I knew what it took to win. But like I said, he had a structure, he had a he had to keep it organized and he was getting a check. So, you know, you now I realized what was going on before I didn't care, you know, just like, you know, just keep me on the court, you know, and I I just want to play ball. So it it was something that, you know, we was winners and we wanted to win. And I thought Xavier had a chance to do a lot of things. Um, and, you know, I had an opportunity and I was going to take advantage of it. So you mentioned the structure that Pete Gillen had. Was that a big change for you going from high school to playing at Xavier under his structure? No, it wasn't. You know, my, my high school coach was very structured. So that was the difference between playing street ball and then have the structured high school basketball program. And I played at a Cardinal Hayes, you know, and, and back in my days, the um, Catholic High School Athletic Association, one of the top um, – top um, leagues in the nation. You know what I'm saying? It, it was a national league. Um, you, you, if you know New York history, the Catholic school league is big. Um, so, you know, we, we played major major high school basketball. And um, I think I went to the city championship in um, 86, 87. And I was, a, I was all city in New York City. That's five boroughs. So that's a big deal coming out of New York City. Um, so, you know, I was ready. I was ready to play and I was ready for the challenge. And like I said, Pete Gillen just, you know, took me to another level once, you know, I left um, high school basketball. All right. Then when you came to Xavier, I mean, I think people quickly find out how big the rivalry is between Xavier and Cincinnati. Uh, you were a big part of many of those games. But the one game in particular, January 31st, 1990, you hit a game winning three uh, to seal the deal. So, you know, what did that game mean to you and what did that moment mean to you? Uh, it was a big deal, obviously, with the, the city uh, rivalry that went on. I think I got baptized early being a freshman with Byron and, and, Stan, and, and, and being a senior and Dexter Campbell and, you know, Stan Kimbrough and playing with those guys. Um, my freshman year, um, I got in and I produced some, um, and, and we beat them really bad. In my sophomore year, we it was a difficult situation because we lost, and um, it was they, the home game was their home game. We were sharing the gardens at that time. Um, then my junior year with Tyrone and Derek and, and Jamie Gladden, Davenport, Michael Davenport, and myself, Colin Parker, Bob Kessler. You know, we had a nice little team there. Um, and, you know, we were ranked that year. And, uh, UC was playing well with their big guards, and they had a big team. And, you know, they had, uh, Bob Huggins was, I think it was a rookie year, I think, at, at that year. But, uh, you know, we played at the Gardens, and it was it was a wonderful thing. And they were actually winning. They we went in overtime, and they won. And Mike Davenport hit some big threes and put us back in the game. And honestly, you know, when the opportunity came about to score, and they left me open, and it happened. It happened. So, you know, it was just a good. It was a good situation, just because you know they put me in that situation, and I took advantage of it. So, it shows you know never give up and take advantage of your opportunity. Do you remember Coach Huggins and the athletic director from UC uh, chasing down the referee after that game? Nah, nah, I don't pay attention to that stuff. Like I said, I was I was just a focused dude. You know, I never really yeah. 
worried about any of that stuff. Like I said, I was more about worrying about recording and being able to talk mess to the other guys on the other team because those are my friends now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, because you're playing with those guys all the time. And, and Yeah, yeah. You're in summer leagues and you're seeing them. And, you know, it was about basketball. So that's what it was all about. And we did it. And, you know, we had bragging rights for that year. All right, and the other game was the NCAA yeah. tournament win against Georgetown. A big-time victory, obviously, over uh, Lonzo Mourning and Patrick Ewing were both on that team, correct? Listen to you, Patrick Ewing, good Lord. You're trying to, you're trying to age me, huh? That was the Ken Bangle combo. Oh, my combo. Gosh, my fault. That, yeah, Lonzo Mourning. But problem. both, Hall of Fam- hey, both hey, NBA Hall of Famers, yes. Listen, I'm not, I'm not ESPN right now. You know, I don't have a stack guy <laughs> in my back pocket. You know, I got, I got these, these – Halfway really yeah. cursive notes in front of me. I mean, it looks terrible. I wish I did play with Patrick <laughs> Ewing. That would have been a great opportunity. But no, I mean, <laughs> honestly, it was it was the thing that Georgetown was the Big East, you know, premier play, team in, in, the, in the league. And um, we were just small Xavier. Xavier used to call us back in those days, Xavier. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it was just a, a one of those things where it fell into place that year. That year was a, it was a funny year because. You know, we had my freshman year, um, we were uh, our first NCAA tournament we went to. We lost to Danny Manning in um, Kansas, and they went to win the NCAA tournament, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Our sophomore year, we, our first round game was against Michigan, and that whole team went to the NCAA um, championship game and won it too. And we lost to them the first round by only a couple of points. Um, with Glenn Rice, that Michigan team, all that whole team went to the NBA. Um, my junior year is when we broke through. We, you know, we we got a good seed, even though we lost in the, NC, um, the MCC tournament for the first time. We we still got a good seed to go to the NCAA, and you know, it just felt good. You know, the seed we got, we played against Kansas State, and um, we wound up beating them. Tyrone and Derek played real well that 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 game, and then you know that that next game was against the big. Big, big East tournament team, um, Georgetown. And they were, you know, the, the fan favorite, the national team. And John Thompson, God rest his soul, he was the, the big time coach that, you know, changed the, the NCAA rules and regulations or, uh, on black coaches or how they, you know, were treated. And he, he was definitely a major factor in that game. And it was just a great opportunity for Xavier for us to, you know, be on a national map. And I, and I can tell you now, you know, what, 30 years later, I'm assuming, it's, you know, I knew we were going to win the game. It's just how we we're going to win it and how much time it was going to be on the clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just a great thing. It was a great opportunity. But, you know, we, we handled it well. Uh, it was a great time and it was great for Xavier. It was great for us as, you know, young, whatever age we were, 19, 20-year-old kids, you know, having fun on the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed like you guys just dominated that moment and your performance, 15 points, 9 assists in that game. And, and I went. Mm-hmm. you can go on YouTube, you can watch the game. I watched your post-game interview, re- really well done. I mean, it re- really was <laughs> Hey, we were young, we were happy, we were fun. I mean, you're playing in front of, what, 50,000 people and, you know, Bill Rafferty, who you see on TV all the time, and, and, and Brown, um, James Brown, you see him on TV and, you get opportunity to you know represent your, your your city or where you're from and represent Cincinnati where you, where you're living at and staying at and it was it was it was the real deal. I got an opportunity to look at it. It was fun. It was funny. I showed my son and he's laughing and you know telling me things that I did wrong like as usual. So it's it's, it's crazy. But you know we had a good team. You know like I said, Tyron there were NBA prospects. Tim Bamboo Tumble or NBA. Um, Hall of Famers, um, um, and you see before they became that, 
you know, how we were, how we were. And it, it was, it was good. It was good for Vegas. We had a great time. And I can, I can't remember a lot of this stuff, but I do know that it took us a long time to get home. The crowd was crazy. We went to a hotel yeah. and, and it was just madness at the hotel. I never saw anything like it. And it was, it was good. I mean, that's just a, a statement game that puts a school like Xavier on the map. I mean, and it was yeah, a, it's, it's still huge for the program. And, um, as I've kind of gone through the uh, the podcast interviews and talked to former players and coaches, just the, just outstanding stories and amazing how far the school has come in such a short period of time, too. So, yeah, you never, like I said, you never anticipate the effect it would it would have, and I, I never did. But now you see it now when you get older. It's like wow, we really did some major things, and it was good for the program, good for the city. Yeah, helped put a, a new arena together, you know, about a decade after that, too. So that helped out. So. <laughs> All right, last thing I want to touch on with you is just uh, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. I mean, we, we talked about the winning team, some of the great moments, uh, taking Xavier to the Sweet 16, scoring over 1,000 points. I think, I think you're still top 25 in assists as well. So, you know, what did that yeah. mean to you to, to get that recognition? Um, it's all part of development. I mean, it's all part of playing with players that push you you know, the Stan Kimbrough's, the Byron Lockers, the Mike Downpoints, the Jamie Glattons, the Colin Parkers, you know, the guys that I play with, um, you know, even outside of the basketball. I want, you know, when I got here, I didn't do a lot of things. So I got to play with the older guys, the Ralph Lees, the Richie Harris's, the Walt McBride's, the Leroy Greenwich's, um, and a lot of the NBA guys that um, used to come in in Cincinnati from Louisville and all over uh, that used to play. So I got an opportunity to play against a lot of people in my career and uh, that helped, you know, whatever I did as far as putting stats together. And it was, it was a good deal for me because I think that, you know, you look at it and overall that, that I was productive um, within that arena and uh, it, it gave me something to look back at. And, you know, it was good for my family to look at and, and see and my people in New York to look back and see. And uh, I'm proud of that and I'm happy for it. And, you know, I, it's in, the, it's in the record book, so you can't change it now. So that's a good deal. I think when I graduated, um, I was top 20 in scoring. But the major thing that I, I looked at is that and out, of, out of all the Vega guards or players that you really had, I was the only one with over 1,000 points and over 500 assists at that time. And um, I think when two came, he's from New York, too. He, he, he finally broke that, but that's 20 years later. So, you know, I wore that hat well, and I was happy for it, and I'm, I'm glad to be in that, that, that category. Awesome. Well, Jamal, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you jumping on with me. Um, Xavier Nation, you know, you're still talked about all the time, so thanks for reliving some of those great moments. I appreciate it, and thanks for calling, and, and good luck to you and your endeavors, and, and you can continue to communicate. I appreciate that. All right, well, thank you guys for tuning in to that interview with Jamal Walker. Please like or subscribe if you haven't done that already, and stay tuned for more Xavier Basketball 100 Years Podcast interviews. Holloway, 11 to go. Holloway kicks it out. Crawford, 8. Crawford's got to hurry. Up. Oh, no.